everybody. Welcome back to the Tipsy Ghost. We're your tipsy hosts, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay. Hey, guys. Hello. A couple weeks ago, we all got to experience the most magical concert I've ever been to. We did. Um, we went to Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour. We mm. did. And two out of the three of us were really looking forward to this Oh my gosh. concert. I was really looking forward to it. And I had an amazing time. Okay, you were. What did you think of the concert after I you I thought went? it was amazing. I'm really glad I went. Lindsay had a great time. I yeah. did have a good time. As Poison, she was next to me. Know. I was dancing and singing to every single song. So we were all at the concert, but I sat in the nosebleeds because yes. I was with my daughter and two of her friends and their moms and Lindsay and Sarah were down together with my dentist. And her daughter. <laughs> Your dentist, my husband's cousin. <laughs> it was a big party. It, it was. was a big party. My sister came down at one point with her friend. She You're... did. I was trying not to fall over as I was supporting her and myself at the same time. Oh, I pretty much like my sister just stood in front of me and I was behind her. <laughs> but they were both dancing. So it was like hips everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. During, it was during was it 19... 1989. Of course, it was during 1989. Me and her were just jamming out it was so much fun i'm happy to report that i had the most magical experience ever it was a perfect day um we took the whole day relaxed and got there early enough we got there early enough to tailgate i didn't have to wait in line for merch i mean i maybe waited 10 minutes got exactly what i wanted the weather was perfect i mean i had a beautiful day i cried several times during the concert <laughs> i bet that she would cry during all too well and she did oh i cried during miss americana the very first song during the countdown when she came out but here's the other thing you have to remember like i'm surrounded by three 14 year old girls who they like live and die for taylor swift and so they were looking forward to this even more than me if you can believe that and so like emotions were already raw and they were all videoing themselves as this countdown was going and there is just like tears and like ugly crying going some on. Some of my favorite pictures that you sent was <laughs> of them just like bawling. <laughs> oh, and they looked, you know, so beautiful in their makeup. The makeup, you can see tears running in their makeup. It was hilarious. Um, but yeah, it didn't matter. We were sitting in the noseways. It didn't matter. We had the most awesome time ever. So my question for you is, what was your favorite era? No. I just have era. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I had to think about it. Mine is a tie. Okay. So 1989, obviously. And Reputation really surprised me. Reputation was my favorite. But I ob- absolutely loved Midnight's, of course, because it was so good. But then oh, they're all so good. I didn't. So my least favorite going in were like Evermore Folklore. But there was not a single second of that four hours that I did not love. Same. You got on to me for missing folklore. But I was like, you can't miss folklore. I had to pee so bad. I had to pick an era I had to pee during. And folklore is probably my least favorite era. Okay, you guys know me and you know I have to pee constantly. I didn't pee once during this concert. Mm-hmm. I held it for four hours. I mm-hmm. danced the entire time. I stood the entire time. Didn't mm-hmm. sit once. We stood and danced the whole time. And I sang my heart out to every single song. And it was an absolute blast yeah those are the best nights of my life same absolutely incredible okay anyways on to story on to the story on to story (laughs) i almost said stories and i remember it's just one (laughs) that has nothing to do with taylor swift we just wanted to talk about her yeah i had to get that off my chest so if you guys will remember to last week's episode Mm-hmm. I talked to you guys about the story of how in 1971, a man known as D.B. Cooper hijacked a plane, 
demanded $200,000 and four parachutes. Mm-hmm. He, he then jumped from the plane somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. And as a reminder, this is the only unsolved case of air piracy in the history of commercial aviation. We discussed a few of the suspects. We had some nicknames for him, didn't we? DBs. DBs. Because it was TBD about who DB was. So it was two DBs about DBs. T's, D's, B's. <laughs> About these bees goops. Okay, so here's here's these bees for the Hi, these bees. 15th time. We also discussed a few of the suspects. So we talked about Ted Braden, Kenneth Christensen, and of course, John List. All right, so this week I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys about a few more suspects and how they tie into some pretty wild conspiracy theories. All right. So, next up, Dick Briggs. Oh, no. <laughs> So this it. guy over here, he looks like uh, what's his name, Pablo Escobar, <laughs> like the famous actor who's oh. in Escobar. <laughs> he's in um, the and Last in, of Us. He's in that short and TikTok when he's like looking over in the in the car like this. <laughs> and Nick Cage is in the other side. Yes, uh, Pedro Pascal. Pablo. Pablo. Oh, Pablo Escobar was a Colombian drug lord. Yes, mm-hmm. I know who Pablo That's Escobar why I was is. Laughing. But he looks like Pedro Pascal, doesn't he? He but also you know, looks like Pablo Escobar. Pablo Escobar may not be too far off from what you're saying. Dick Briggs. DB. Also DB. So Dick, he claimed to be a special forces soldier in Vietnam and also stated that he was an accomplished parachutist. Okay. Later in life, Dick became a cocaine dealer mm. who... <laughs> I know, that's why I said, oh, Pablo Pablo Escobar. Escobar. (laughs) There we go. Who made statements to his mm, clients that he was the legendary D.B. Cooper. He even said that a, quote, hippie looking couple at a party where him and this client were would just randomly end up finding some of his money that he hid after he jumped from the plane. Was he saying this when he was sampling his product? Don't ask questions. Listen, this guy's (laughs) Dick Briggs has like a square face. It doesn't um, look like D.B. Cooper is like an elongated oval face. So, okay. Fake news, dick. So strangely enough, a few days later, after he made this claim, that couple that he was pointing to, their son found some of the stolen cash and $20 bills strewn about the beach where they were. Reports vary on the total amount, but it was somewhere between $5,800 and $7,000 and matched the serial numbers. The money looked old and tattered, but like I mentioned, they were able to match those from the D.B. Cooper bills. Dick was eventually ruled out. I know some, obviously everybody knows about D.B. Cooper. I did not realize that they found some of the money. They I did. thought it was forever lost. We never saw it. Just a small amount out of the 200000 And like I said, the, the reports vary. Uh, 5800 to 7000 is what I saw. That's a very small amount, but it's something. They were all in 20s, tattered and torn. So he was eventually ruled out because it turns out that he straight up lied about going to Vietnam and couldn't actually parachute. And also, like you've already mentioned, he doesn't really fit the description. Yeah. Mm -mm. He was a lot shorter and kind of stockier than the man that was described. And he also had a really bad temper when he drank. And if you remember from part one, the description of D.B. Cooper was that he was very friendly and personable. Yeah. Oddly enough, about a month after the money was found, Dick died in a single car accident in Portland Mm. at the age of 41. Which some say was a setup by the government. <gasps> Conspiracy. But why? Why not? These are the questions. Like, I, okay, we'll talk about that at the end, but I have my questions too. 
We're moving on to Robert Rackstraw. A little background about Robert. He served in the Army as a paratrooper and explosive experts during the Vietnam War. It's said that during the war, he developed connections to a, a member from the CIA. He was discharged in 1971 for quote-unquote misconduct, whatever that means, yeah. five months before the hijacking. At one point, he was charged with murdering his stepfather, but was ultimately acquitted of these charges. Wow. Okay, Bob. In 1978, he was charged and convicted um, with stealing a plane and forging checks. This time, he spent roughly two years in prison. He stealing was, a plane. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that was seven years after the hijacking. Mm. He was initially dismissed as a suspect because authorities thought he was too young. He was... Uh, so DB was estimated to be between 35 and 45, and Robert was only 28 at the time of the hijacking. I feel like they're crossing people off their list very easily. I would agree with that. Also, yeah. like if that information is coming from a witness, uh, they're not always very accurate on their age statements. Yeah. I know I wouldn't be. 35. No, mm, no he was 28. <laughs> I know. Um, so still talking about Robert here, but we're going to enter a new character, a filmmaker named Tom Colbert. Not related to Stephen. We're going to talk about Tom um, because he pretty much dedicated his life to figuring out the mystery of D.B. Cooper. And once he made his mind up that it was Robert Rackstraw, he pretty much did everything he could to prove that it was him. Okay. He kind of just disregarded every other suspect because he was hellbent that it was Robert. He created a 40-person investigation team that concluded former FBI agents to gather information to prove that Rackstraw was the hijacker. Okay. They stated that not only did Robert have the skill to pull it off, but he also matched the sketch almost perfectly. They obtained two coded letters. This is according to them um, that were written by D.B. Cooper that stated, quote, and please tell the lackey cops, D.B. Cooper is not my real name. I am First Lieutenant Robert Rackstraw. D.B. Cooper is not my real name. I mean, that's pretty straightforward if that's what it was decoded as, but um, like that's him essentially confessing. Right. So this was decoded by one of the 40 member team members. Right. <laughs> so Colbert was convinced that Robert was a narcissistic sociopath who didn't think that he would ever get caught. He was just leading people on this whole time. Robert admitted to claiming that at one point he said he was Cooper and he even called the news station to tell them, yeah, I'm DB Cooper. Uh, but later said, Never mind, that was all a stunt. He's my front runner so far. Okay. Colbert believes that Rackstraw was working with the CIA. Ooh. And <laughs> since. <laughs> We're very impressed by this. <laughs> so to say those three little letters. Because <laughs> the FBI is looking into this and now we bring in CIA. Okay, so since CIA is over right. FBI. They forced FBI to back off the investigation of Rackstraw, and therefore he was never really... I mean, he was investigated, but they let it go. They said, oh, no, he was, it wasn't him. He wasn't the right age. There have been so many episodes um, on TV, just different channels that have done investigations into this, of course. But the one I found the most interesting was on the History Channel, of course. They approached Tom, and they offered to basically buy this information from him okay. and they offered him to come onto the show and be interviewed and give his spiel about why Robert Rackstraw was like the front runner in this case. And so he went on the show and it's called history's greatest mysteries. And on the show, 
they did not tell Tom that they were going to do this, but they brought in one of the stewardesses who was on the original flight. And they laid out the picture of Robert Rackstraw in front of the stewardess. And they basically just said, do you think this is him? And she said, no, that's not the guy. And so after that, they disregarded it. They said, oh, then she she doesn't recognize him. It's not him. But it's also been how many years? Since like 40 yeah. years. Wait, so did they pay him still? I don't know. He ended up suing them later. Yeah, well, he ended up I suing, would like, too. the FBI well, later. Maybe not the FBI, but yeah, that sounds like a really <laughs> shady setup. Yeah, it was. So this is a side note too, but if you're interested, there's like four short episodes called um, Where Are You, D.B. Cooper, I believe, on Netflix. Very interesting. And they really go hard on this Tom Colbert with Robert Rackstraw stuff. But also, Billy Jensen, he was on the History Channel episode, and he was the one going like, do you think this is the person to the stewardess? And she was like, no. And he's like, well, then it can't be it. This isn't it. I was like, come on, Billy. I wasn't sure how he felt about that. But okay, after the show aired, the FBI closes the case in 2016. So after they closed the case, sadly, Robert died in 2019 of a heart condition. So if he was D.B. Cooper, he went ahead and took that secret to the grave. We'll never know. We'll never know. Okay, here we go. Barbara Dayton. Barbara was born Robert Dayton and later served in the Army during World War II. After discharge, Dayton worked with explosives in the construction field and wanted to become a professional pilot, but couldn't actually get a commercial pilot's pilot's license. Mm, Okay. Dayton was the first person in the state of Washington to have gender reassignment surgery in 1969 and changed her name to Barbara. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. She claimed to have staged the hijacking in 1971 and that she presented herself as a man because by this time she was going by Barbara. Um, But she presented herself as a man in order to get back at the airline industry for not giving her her pilot's license. She also said that the money was hidden in a cistern in Oregon but later recanted the entire story after she learned that she could still be charged with hijacking when she was saying these things. I was going to say, what's the statute of limitations here? Why are people confessing to this? So that was funny. When <laughs> this picture looks, the picture on the left, pretty compelling. Mm-hmm. Yes, even even as Barbara, I think so. So it's showing. So she's got two pictures up here. One of you know, Barbara, and then one of Barbara, I'm assuming before the reassignment surgery. That's Robert. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It looks very similar. Yes. To the D.B. Cooper sketch. So the last suspect I want to tell you about is Richard Floyd McCoy Jr. Dick Floyd McCoy. His ears are too big. Dick Floyd McCoy. Um, but are they? Richard, he was an army vet who served in two tours in Vietnam as a demolition expert and later with the Green Berets as a helicopter pilot. Hmm. After his time in the military, he was a warrant officer in the Utah National Guard and recreational skydiver for funsies. Mm. Yeah, why not? On April 7th, 1972, he staged the best copycat hijacking when he boarded United Airlines Flight 855. So this is a similar plane to what D.B. Cooper hijacked. Mm -hmm. This was in Denver, Colorado. He threatened that he had a hand grenade that was later proven to be a paperweight. Yeah, of course. And just as a reminder, DB said he had explosives that were not explosives. So it's a pattern of behavior. similarities here. Let Let's check and make sure the explosives are real people. That's true. Um, how would you? <laughs> I mean, do I you feel want like an example. I feel like a hand grenade and a paperweight would look very different. 
I don't know. I I, all you had to do D- was open the bag and they were like, oh, there's grenades in there. DBs, I can understand because there was, it looked more legit. I don't know what this looked like, to be honest with you. Okay. But he also supposedly had a handgun, which is scary. Yeah. He also demanded four parachutes and this time he demanded $500,000. So was this after DB Cooper? It was. It was, um, gosh, about six months later. Still pretty soon. Right. After he received the money, he demanded the pilot fly the plane. And once it took off, he jumped out over Provo, Utah. So this is all very similar to, just like they called it, it's a copycat. He left behind his handwritten hijacking instructions and his fingerprints on a magazine that he was reading. So, fatal flaw. Mm -hmm. He was arrested on April 9th with the ransom money in his possession. But I thought this was an important point. He survived the jump. Okay. He was tried and convicted of his crime and sent to serve a 45-year sentence at Lewisburg Federal Penitentiary. Two years later, he managed to escape by crashing a garbage truck through the main gate. Oh. (laughs) Three months later, he was tracked down in Virginia Beach and killed during a shootout with the FBI agents. Oh, wow. Okay. The FBI states that they did not consider him a suspect because of the age difference. Oh, my gosh. FBI. (laughs) But also... Um, they said that he was in Las Vegas on the day of the D.B. Cooper hijacking, and he had Thanksgiving with his family the day after. So I mean, that's a the lot timeline more... doesn't fit, but does it? Sounds like he had an alibi. That's a lot more forgiving than oh, his age. Age is like the easiest thing to mess up, I feel like. It's like it does, but then there's still that day. Like there's still several hours there that he was unaccounted for, but they're saying like this day and like the next day. Where but was not his this family chunk. at? Because didn't he like he... Uh, got out of the airplane in Oregon, right? Uh, Washington State. Washington. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not... Mm, okay. I had a few questions after reading about this case, and you guys kind of touched on a few of them already, but I wanted to know what happened to the tie. Remember that uh, <gasps> clip-on clip JC Penny tie that I he left on the plane? love a good clip-on tie. They found it? They found it. It was stored in an archive from 1971 until 2009. There were multiple tests done and samples collected in hopes that they would find out where it came from, like which company. Yeah, sure. Um, But nothing came from it. Okay. Good to know. There were eight cigarette butts that were recovered during the investigation. (laughs) Oh, the days of being able to smoke on an airplane. I know. (laughs) I can't imagine. Like people bringing handguns on an airplane. (laughs) I'm like, what? They also just like literally walked at the, (laughs) I don't know, this whole thing is a rabbit hole, but like they would walk up to the counter and just say, like, you didn't have to book anything in advance. You're just like, I need a flight to Denver. And they'd be like, all right, there's an opening. Here's $20. You just go board the plane. Get on a flight with 30 people. (laughs) Smoke Smoke eight cigarettes. cigarettes. Whatever. Oh, my gosh. What a time to be alive. (laughs) (laughs) I think things changed after that. There were eight cigarette butts that were recovered during the investigation and sent to the bureau lab for testing. But they all of a sudden went missing. The cigarettes were too old. They They went went missing? They went missing. (gasps) Conspiracy. Nobody knows what happened to them. I mean, what? That's messed up. No. False. Somebody knows what happened to them. Somebody knows. And their name starts with C and ends with A. Middle initial I. <laughs> that is true. Poison wasn't picking it No, up. I was. I was trying to like come up with a name. The CIA interfered and they said Christina. these are our butts now. Aguilera. Christina Aguilera. Christina, Christina Aguilera, Aguilera said these are our butts now. Where they are. And she took she took you the butts. You better start talking, Christina. <laughs> Christina, you took the butts. <laughs> Extina, pull it together. <laughs> Forget about Extina. 
All right. So basically, if you want to go down this rabbit hole even more, you got to remember this has been going on for, what, 60 years? It's finally closed officially. But is it? There's a lot of armchair sleuths out there still trying to solve this case. I don't feel like it can ever be closed unless it's solved. Well, true. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mentioned the Netflix special. Yes. You can also go to dbcooper.com. There's an official website. It's not called dsbees.com. <laughs> Missed opportunity. <laughs> and if you're more into podcasts, which obviously you are if you're listening here, you can check out the Cooper Vortex. And their episodes are at least two hours long. Oh, gosh. And they interview everybody who is like involved in the investigations, writing books, has theories. It is, I don't know how they have so much information. Because when you hear the story, you're like, there's not even that much to go off of. But somehow people have made so much content out of this it's unreal i mean it's probably one of the biggest unsolved cases in u.s history apparently apparently it is i just need to say okay cia please do not come after us (laughs) (laughs) we love you (laughs) and we're just kidding when we call you christina (laughs) i'm not kidding (laughs) please don't come please don't come after us i think it was um robert slash barbara i'm with the first robert yeah date uh dayton Yes. I don't know. I think that makes sense. Okay. That's who you're going with? I'm going to go with them. Okay. I'm going to go Rackstraw. I'm going with Robert Rackstraw as well. Although he's Floyd too McCoy. Young. He's too young. If his age is the only thing that is excluding him, no. I'm going with him. If this picture Barbara, was taken when he was 28, he looks older than 28 to me. And if they asked the eyewitness 40 years later. I know. No. Like oh, right. memory should be. Barbara confessed. And she only took it back when she lots realized she confessed. was. Robert Listen. did too. He called the news stations and said it was me. Yeah, lots of and people confessed. And then what did he do? He said, never mind, it wasn't me. Yeah. Just like she did. She was mm-hmm. like, never mind, I don't want to get in trouble. That's different. And um, so many <laughs> others confessed who you didn't even mention. Like, so many people have confessed to they this. They interviewed thousands of people. I just talked to you guys about a couple that I thought were the most interesting, in my opinion. So we talked in episode one, we all kind of talked about, did he die during the jump? And uh, a couple of us said, yeah, he died. I think but these he did. people didn't die. They were alive afterwards. Mm. So mm. that changes everything, too. I pulled I it out s- of the episode, but I said, no, he did not die. I still think that he died. Like, that's still my gut instinct, is that he died. Okay, but all these people How were alive. How can he be Rackstraw if he died? I don't think he was Rackstraw. If he survived. <laughs> you just said he was Rackstraw. <laughs> if he survived, I think he's Rackstraw. I think that's the most possible suspect. Mm, she's I'm playing s- both sides of the fence I'm here. still saying I think he died. Okay, but remember Richard Floyd McCoy? He did the same copycat flight hijacking, and he survived the flight. No problem. It's possible. It's possible to survive it. I'm not saying it's not. I don't think he survived it. The other thing I, I wanted to throw out there is $200,000 in $20 bills weighed a lot of money. So people really, you know, analyzed this. And he had these four parachutes that he was jumping with one. He took four because he thought one of them would be rigged to fail. So he wanted to make sure that he took enough. Sure. And then he put them in a knapsack, the cash in a knapsack, and it was too big to fit in the knapsack. So he put some cash in the knapsack and some of it in a parachute. And they think that maybe when he jumped, the one that was in the parachute broke free. And maybe that's the one that was on the beach. With Pablo. I mean, it makes sense. So many theories. And I don't know that we'll ever know. No, we won't know. I don't think we will And this is hurtful because I hate unsolved. Well, thanks for presenting us with a two-part unsolved mystery. (laughs) You're welcome. Appreciate that. Listen, we have solved a lot of cold cases. On this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Not on this podcast. We've done it ourselves. (laughs) Like, in our time. 
Yes. Like I know in the past mean. like 20, 30 years just with DNA analysis alone. Well, it would be helpful to find those cigarette butts, Christina. But that's what I'm saying. Like there's no DNA to go <laughs> off of this to... <laughs> Dirty. <laughs> I don't know. I wish we knew. I wish we knew too. I know. So it's fine. But thank <laughs> you <laughs> for telling us all about this episode or all about this episode. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you so much for this episode. You're welcome. Thank you for telling us all about D.B. Cooper. The Deebs, the Beebs. The Deebs, the Beebs. He's the OG Beebs. He's Deebs. 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 He's a cat. Oh my gosh, I can't. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in this week to part two of D.B. Cooper. Make sure you check out last week's episode so that way you can listen to the part one. You can always find us at thetipsyghost.com with our socials linked from there or send us an email at thetipsyghost at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star rating and a great review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate it and it really does help. All right, guys. Thanks so much. We will catch you next week. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.